Come in, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and rattlesnakes everywhere confused by Mexican maracas. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you know what that means? It's Tea with BVP. Live from Michigan State University campus, it's me, your host, BVP, also known as Bill Van Patten, your international superstar and diva of SLA. With me are my co-hosts, fresh off the debate stage at Hofstra University, Angelica Kramer and Walter Hopkins. Say hi. What? Walter's <laughs> not making a happy face. I'm not making Hello a happy face. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here with Angelica and all of our lovely audience. <laughs> Ouch. I mean, oh, and, and, and the yes. diva. And, and the diva. Uh, just because Walter's just jealous because he's only a divet. Yeah, mm. that's all. No what desire am I? to be a diva. Okay, okay, okay. Everybody, this is an important announcement. Yes. What is the name of the show? Tea with BVP. And what's today? I have no idea. Thursday at three. It's National Coffee Day. <laughs> we have to do a show on National Tea Day. Today is National Coffee huh. Day. Did you know that? I did no. not yeah. know that. So everybody's probably drinking coffee. They're not drinking tea with us. They're drinking coffee, I'm sure. That's okay. We'll forgive them. Although, I have to tell you something really exciting. What's that? I'm so excited. You know how excited I am? How excited are you? Well, I Can you sing the song for us? I can't say how excited I am. I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited. Okay, thank you, Point Sisters. Yeah. You really, you really, you know, for someone who doesn't know any pop culture, your head is like stuck <laughs> back in the 80s, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's good I'm music. surprised you know the Pointer Sisters. <laughs> Well, I couldn't have told you it was a Pointer Sisters. I just know the song. That's oh, my all. gosh. All right. Anyway, um, there uh, next week, uh, there's a group in Urbana, Illinois, at the University of Illinois, who are going to have a tea party during the show. Oh, nice. And they're going to have they're tea. Gonna and drink. They're, they're going to be sitting in a room drinking tea, and they're going to call in. And they actually sent us some questions. Um, next week's one of the free-for-all shows where you can call in about anything you want or raise any topics you want. But they have a couple of topics they've already asked me to talk about, so I'll... I'll I'll bring those up, even though it's a free-for-all show, but I want to give a shout-out to them, because I think that's a great idea. We should encourage Absolutely. tea parties. Yeah. Tea parties. I like it. Even though it's National Coffee Day, let's encourage tea parties everywhere. As in drinking tea. I just want to make sure that we're clear on... Absolutely. Okay. Just making Lemon sure. or sugar? Uh, m- milk. It depends. It depends. Milk or lemon depends on the kind of tea you're having. Did you know that? Didn't you see the Da Vinci Code? Yes, I was going to say, did. this must be coming from a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. Well, actually, no. I learned this when I was in high tea in London. Um, there's certain teas you have lemon with and certain teas you have milk with. Hmm. And if you mix the ro- if you do it wrong, you're, you're, you're gauche. You're not very posh. Hmm. Anyway, so. Well, all right, then. All right, then. So uh, I'm giving a shout-out also to Colorado because I'm headed out there tomorrow. Hell or high water. You know, I've been sick. Not sick, but I've had this skin flare-up thing going on, and I, mean, I had to cancel my trip to New York this last weekend because I could barely get out of bed on Friday. My body was on fire, but it's calmed down a little bit. I'm hoping I'll be okay tomorrow to get on a plane and go work out with these, not work out, but you know, work with these people, so I'm excited about that. So um, off to Colorado tomorrow for the Congress of Foreign Language Teachers, um, and uh, then on Monday, I'll be at the University of Colorado at Boulder. That'll be fun with Mark Knowles. May everybody remember Mark Knowles? So I'm yeah. going to see him and the group nice. there. So, yeah. So the Diva Tour is on its way. They're selling T-shirts, Walter. Did you know that? Want me to get you one? 
Yeah, that'd be great. It has my face on one side and on the back it says Diva, oh, no, Diva no. Tour 2016. Oh, thanks. It's got you at the bottom. <laughs> it says, and the Divets. <laughs> I keep threatening to do a, a new show. Start, I, I think I'm going to put one together this spring. And I want to form a set of backup singers and dancers called the Inputs. And I want Walter to be an input, but he keeps resisting. He says he does not want to. I want everybody to call in no. or twit, tweet in or, or get on. Well, in your case, it would be twit in. But I want everybody to tweet or I want people to mixlerize. I want people to say, Walter for input. Walter for an input. Walter for an input. I want you to be a backup input, Walter. I think, you'd, you know, I'd put you in the, in the suspenders and the little gold lame pants and the boots. As a ba- this is exactly why Walter will not be an input. Oh, uh, no, you'd be, you'd be <laughs> fabulous. Okay, just a quick heads up. Elizabeth on Mixler says that um, she's listening with her eighth-hour students, mm-hmm. and um, she hopes that you don't say anything inappropriate. Uh, just thought I'd throw that uh, out there. I never say anything inappropriate. Was that Elizabeth? Yes. Elizabeth, call in and name three things I've said inappropriate over the course Elizabeth, of a year. Elizabeth, please don't. I've never said anything inappropriate. Borderline. But never, <laughs> never inappropriate. No, I think Walter should be an input. I think I he'd agree. be a fabulous backup singer. Yeah. You'd be great. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'm not so sure about we'll work that. On it. And if anybody out there in, in the listening audience would like to audition to be an input, send me an email. Please or do. Tweet or do something and let us know. Um, if you don't want to be an input like Walter, if you're going to be a, a party pooper, you can instead call in for the <laughs> SLA challenge question. How's that? Um, I will give the question in a few minutes, and the first person to make it to the phones with the answer wins a prize. Today you get a choice. Normally we just give out coasters, right? But today we're going to give out a, we're going to give a choice. You can either have coasters or handy dandy little post-it notes that say uh, "Tea with BPP," so you can stick them on on, a, on a, your computer or stick them on a sheet of paper and write a note to someone. It'll say "Tea with BPP" on it. Really cool. Angelica so, doesn't like post-it notes very much. I've discovered what. <laughs> Come on, I love them, oh, but well. you have to use them appropriately. Properly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you don't stick them all over your forehead the way you do, Walter. Right, right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, also, don't forget we have the Diva Challenge question. We'll do the same thing. I'll read that question at some point down the road, and you'll have time to call in with the right answer and win a prize. And, of course, we have Angelica's quote of the week. I think it's a good one. And Walter's read of the week, little little interesting read of the week that Walter told me he's got for us. So the number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. Please call in because Dustin is sitting, standing there with nothing to do if you don't call in. And we want him to have something to do. He's like that Maytag repair guy on TV in the old days, you know, with nothing to do. But we want <laughs> Dustin. That. We love Dustin. We want Dustin to have something to do. So call in and talk to us. Um, you can um, send messages on Mixler, while, which Angelica is viewing at this moment. Um, but again, what kind of show is this, guys? It's a call-in show. Call-in talk show and interaction. So Call-in. Call-in. Call what's call that Blondie in. song? Call me. Call me. Just call me. Call me anytime. Okay. Don't so don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't is that be from shy. the 80s? Pick up the... F- yeah. Early 80s. <laughs> Pick up the phone and call us at... What's the number? Who wants to say it? 517. 884 Oh my Ooh, god, that was so good. Okay. And finally, don't forget about our Diva Lip Sync contest. The entries are due October 15th. We've already got a few entries in. Um, remember, that's less than three weeks away, so you want to get your, get your entries in. Yeah, go to our website, twithbbp.com, to learn about this fun competition. Elizabeth, you and your eighth grade class can do a really wonderful Tea with BBP Diva Lip Sync 
So Elizabeth, if you're listening still, I'm challenging you and your class to do that. Okay, so what's our topic for today? Our topic is this. Testing, is it necessary? Dun, dun, dun. I know. Mm-hmm. Dramatic. Now, I'm being a bit provocative by, you know, sending out that topic in the newsletter this week and bringing it up now. I don't know if it's tongue-in-cheek or being provocative, but I wanted to approach the topic this way because I think that people, we don't always use terms the best way. And so I, I want to begin by saying there are two ways of talking about tests. Tests. That's a hard word for an ESL learner, is it? Tests. Um, tests and testing. I mean, all those consonant clusters are hard in English. They really mm-hmm. are, right? Anyway, so there's testing, which is uh, a way to assess and provide feedback to students about their progress as well as ourselves. So Walter and I, for example, might be part of a grant where we give OPIs to students or we give some kind of measurement. We go, are we meeting the goals of our program? Are, are, you know, we want 50% of our students to get out with intermediate mid. Are we meeting that or not? <clears throat> and if not, what do we have to do now to our program to help get that many students to that level? Um, so it gives, us, it gives you a way to look at what you're doing and how well you're doing it. Um, another way to look at tests is that they are a way to assign grades. As one um, person put it, where's my little sheet with all my, my little notes from people who wrote in this week? Um, Andrew says it's a necessary evil. He goes, I need to measure something, right? And in a certain sense, he's right, that testing is, is a way to measure something so you can assign grades. And if we are honest with ourselves, the reason I brought this topic up is if we are honest with ourselves and we want communicative, proficiency-oriented language learning going on, assuming we do, um, most of us don't use testing as an assessment by which we can judge ourselves and the progress of our students. We actually, the only reason we have tests is we can assign grades because most language learning is part of some kind of institutionalized education. So it's that whole idea that testing is a way to assign grades that's motivated me on this topic. And so the question I have is, why do people give paper and pencil tests? Why are there such things as national exams to test knowledge about language? Why do these things exist, and why do they persist? Uh, What is it these tests are used for, and what do they have to do with acquisition, communication, and the development of proficiency? Um, You can probably guess where I stand and what my answer would be to those questions. Um, And I always like to pull from the extreme sometimes, to poke people and to get people thinking. So um, my position is this. We can and perhaps should get rid of paper and pencil tests or any kind of tests of knowledge if, and again, it's a big if, if our goal is acquisition, communication, and the development of proficiency. Um, And there are lots of models out there. There's no reason we can't. Um, And it's just a matter of putting our thinking caps on and doing this, right? So hopefully we'll get some good discussion on that this hour. The number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that's... 517-884-4321. Oh, my God. It's just like you guys rehearsed that. (laughs) We're just good. Perfect. Okay, we got a caller already on the phone. Jumping in on the testing issue. We got Meredith calling in. Okay, we got a caller on the phone. <laughs> All right. Meredith, are you there? Oh, can you hear us? Yeah, can you there hear you are. I was, Meredith. Listening, I was listening in stereo, and then I could hear you in my ear, and then I could hear you on the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. A little feedback there. How are you doing, Meredith? I'm doing well. I'm sitting here with Lily, my student, uh, who we tweeted out a picture of tea with BVP, and then we tweeted a video. We just keep tweeting. You can't get us off Twitter. I, I oh, like it. It's we awesome. love that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, so, she's she's the one that came into class and said, "Miss White, you have tea with that man today," and the whole <laughs> class was like, "She has." 
tea with a man, and then it was very scandalous. Well, let me say hi to Lily real quick before you ask your question. Yay, Lily, Lily, on the phone? Lily, is that you? (laughs) Hello, Um, I'm Lily. Hi, Lily, it's nice to meet you. Yes, we're listening to your um, radio station. Oh, great. And I love the pictures you've been sending in, the little videos. Those are great. Oh, Keep doing that. You. It brides yes, up our day when you do that. Big fan. Yeah, well, great. <laughs> now you know who the strange man is that your teacher has tea with every yeah, Thursday. Yeah, who's the strange man this wife spending all her time with? <laughs> strange, strange only in the sense of unknown, not strange in the sense of weird. Okay, let me just well, make sure. I'm not so sure. I know, that. I know. I thought I'd say that before you did something, Walter. Okay, Lily, put your teacher back on. Can I talk not to your Mr. teacher, please? <laughs> Okay, Meredith, you back on the line? Okay, she's here. I'm here. Oh, We're there here. you go, Meredith. What you calling about? Yay. What's up? Well, I was, as it was funny as the topic. As she walked in, she was doing test corrections, and so she came in and said, "Sorry, I'm late." Uh, I was pouring her tea. I was like, "No problem. The tea waits for you." Um, and right at that very second, you said today's topic, and it was very interesting. The the testing or no testing, or how do you um, you know, how do you do that? And that's frequently a question that comes up. I know, like in teacher circles with me. But also with students is how to negotiate. You do need to put grades in the grade book. And if you're someplace that says, like I've been before previously, um, you know, three grades a week, you need to have three kinds of assessments a week. And the emphasis really isn't on formative or summative or what that even means. It's just you need three numbers that you type in every week, um, you know, to keep parents happy, to keep students happy and to continue assessing. Um, it's hard to negotiate that, especially when using proficiency or when using um, I don't know, sort of, I don't want to say non-traditional, but it, if if other people in your department aren't using proficiency, that's hard to say. It's hard to quantify that, I guess, especially when you first start out using it. And um, it's a it's a tricky line, I think, assessment, especially with, with foreign language and where we want to see it go. Tricky for the teacher, but Lily was nodding a minute ago that, that she agrees, you know, like you do need to assess. But from a student perspective, they're just tested like crazy. Um, so what, is, what does it all mean? I think it's a great topic. Right. And, and I, think, I think we overtest in languages. Mm-hmm. I think we absolutely overtest. Absolutely. And so I think we, and, and Walter's going to talk about it a little bit because I know what reading he's going he's gonna to mention to the audience in a little while. But, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but I think we overtest. And, and, and the idea is we can test less and do more kinds of, I mean, because classroom interaction all the time is a kind of test. We just don't think of it that absolutely. way. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so... Um, on the one hand, maybe the discussion is about whether we need grades or not, or the, whether we need to restructure how it is that 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 we get exactly. people in and out of courses. Mm-hmm. But there's another way to look at this, which is what we tell our students here, for example, is that there's no reason the way we structure our courses. There's no reason that anybody in this class cannot get an A, mm-hmm. cannot get what we call here a four O. We don't use letter grades here. No, there's no reason here that, that MSU can't get a 4-0. And so what you wind up doing, if you don't do the assignments and you don't do the minimum, if you don't do the work that we set out for you and we set it all up for success, if you just don't do right. it, it gets it's more like a subtraction from that A as opposed to you, you're earning points to get an A. It doesn't work that way. Right. And so I think if we take the attitude of maybe flipping that and saying everybody can succeed and everybody can minimally do this, which will get you an A, and then you kind of have to screw up not to do that. Right. So, um, oh, absolutely. And that allows for individual differences and all kinds of things. So, I, I think that's one way. That's one tack to take on it. And I know it's a hard sell. There are going to be some schools, maybe some people calling and say, "Oh, but I got these parents who, you know, they want their kids to go to Yale. They want their kids to go to these private schools, and they have to have this and they have to have that, you know, and so on." Well, you know, mm-hmm. we as part of our job as experts in language education to advocate for different things in languages that that maybe we're not like science and math and those other kinds of things. So. 
Right. Well, and especially pushing proficiency. You know, what does that mean? It, it's been so hard the last couple of years really going into that, getting students away from that. You know, do I have a 93? Do I have a 95? Like getting them to focus, what can you do? Not saying that that's, you know, not devaluing that 93 or 95 because that's a thing, but, you know, what can you do with the language? Like what kind of language user are you? Um, and it, it's, it's tricky. Even today I used uh, Easy Grade, which gives bubble sheets, or I'm sorry, not Easy Grade, Zip Grade, which is a great app that does bubble sheets. And it was just a quick, I just wanted to see kind of where we were. So it scans it with your phone and it grades it. And it was like day two of input. So I was just giving them choices and, you know, it was multiple choice, but for a reason, I just wanted to check. And the second I pass out those bubble sheets, and even having said it, this is a formative, this is not for anything, this is just a fast way for me to give you feedback. And for me to find out, the second they saw those bubble sheets, it was like pandemonium. Like, we have a test today? Oh, my God. We have a quiz? Why didn't anybody, ah, ah, you know, and they were yeah, losing yeah, their minds. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's just an easy piece of paper for me to look at. I mean, they, they, they're so over-tested that all of a sudden, oh, of course we have a test today that I wouldn't have known about. And in a language, that's hard because I'm like, we just, what? We just had a test two days ago, and what would I test you on? And you know that I don't give multiple choice tests, but that's such a thing that they're programmed to right. to be used to right. and to tolerate and to put up with. Like they'd have gone through with it and said, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. you have to remember they're bringing all that baggage from other courses and their, entire, their entire backgrounds mm -hmm. of education. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, Meredith, I'm going to have yep. to push off here in a minute because i got another call on the line. And I got, Absolutely. I've got um, people waving at me through the window here. So, um, <laughs> so thanks for calling in. And keep sending Yay, those no pictures problem. in. Yeah, yeah. Say say hi. Say goodbye to Lily for us. Yay, Lily. <laughs> okay, all right. Bye-bye. Take bye. care, <laughs> Meredith and Lily. Bye-bye. <clears throat> yeah, that's oh, – Meredith's bringing up some good issues. Um, I do think – I do think with testing, though, there's um, – if we could, if we could – get some different nomenclature. We need to get rid of the word test as well. Mm -hmm. What Meredith was talking about was more like a checkpoint. Mm -hmm. Let me stop and check. And I think if we can come up some and call a test a test when it needs to be a test, but something that she's doing could be called a check or a checkpoint. We're stopping to check where we are. Um, so uh, that may, might be another way to think about it. But again, it depends on what you want to check. Again, I'm trying to get rid of paper and pencil tests and those tests of knowledge. Um, I, I'm not saying by bringing up this topic we should have any kind of assessment. Obviously, I'm not going to say that. But uh, anyway, um, well, let me remind everybody uh, about the SLA challenge question. Um, call in about that. Um, I need to give you the question. Here it goes. Pay attention. I'll say it twice. And that's it. So here's the question. Speaking of tests, what test did John Carroll and Stanley Sapone develop in the 1950s that is still widely used today in research circles? Not so much in academic circles, although they tried, but in research circles. I repeat. What test did John Carroll and Stanley Sapone develop in the 1950s that is still widely used today, largely in research circles. Okay, that's the question. Call in if you got that answer. We'll give you 10 minutes. You got till 3.29. Okay, we got another call in line. We've got Claire calling from, I bet it's rainy Knoxville. Claire, is it raining in Knoxville? Yes, it is. Hello. Hi, Claire. It's raining, yeah. it's raining here. It's raining everywhere. Aw. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Good day to stand and read. So, uh, and it's National Coffee Day. Exactly. So, or tea. Yeah, so we, or tea. No, nobody's drinking tea right now. Everybody's drinking coffee because uh -oh. it's National Coffee Day. I know. We've got to find out when National Tea Day is. There's got to be a National Tea Day, right? Well, uh, what if it's yeah. not on a Thursday? Walter, why don't you Googleize that? And okay, we'll I'll Google it right now. So, Claire, what you calling about? What's up? Oh, well, um, I 
loved your question, first of all. Do we need tests? And I also really liked Meredith's comments, and um, I thought I would chime in. I, I teach English as a second language, so I have a kind of a different, little different perspective than some of your co- listeners, but mm-hmm. um, I know for me, I, I would say no, a test is necessary in a language class. I do understand that there's some content areas where tests are important. Tests kind of look at discrete points of knowledge. What do you know? Maybe if you want to know if someone knows a specific word or set of words, or even to get a sample of a set of words kids know. But that's not really what language is. Um, so uh, in, in a more abstract class, like maybe a philosophy or religions class, a test isn't, it's not something you can look at through an authentic performance. But in a language class, just communicating. It's something we can look at with authentic assessment or performance-based assessment. And I actually do that in my class. Um, I don't use tests. I collect um, rubrics and talk with kids about samples of their writing and speaking and, or, or even if they're not able to write or speak yet, just a listen and draw or basic TPR. I have a TPR rubric mm-hmm. and I sit down with kids and we go through a portfolio and it's really important for them I love that Meredith asked what, um, well, she, she rather said the kids are asking, you know, what can you do with the language? What is my grade is usually their ask, but usually their question that they ask. But what can you do with the language is such an important question. And that's absolutely not something that's addressed with a selected response traditional test. As opposed to, you know, an authentic performance, kids get real feedback on, you know, yes, I am growing. And that's really important to my English language learners because tests make them feel like there's a, I don't know, there's kind of a disconnect between all that they know and then their ability to express it. And uh, tests are also kind of made, they're set up to sort and rank and create a top 4% of kids. And um, that's actually the reason why, as a nation, we're moving toward more standardized tests and learning discrete points of, of knowledge. And uh, I think a movement away from that toward more authentic assessments would benefit my English language learners um, who, you know, often they're not the traditionally academic student, even though they're smart, they've been beaten down by tests and they'll see a 30, 40, a really bad grade at the top of their paper and they'll start to feel bad about themselves. And that creates test anxiety and Instead, if they knew the, the answer to that question, like that Meredith said, what can you actually do with the language? That would make them feel so much better. And seeing that in a rubric is excellent feedback for students, for teachers, for parents, for everyone. Um, we do need a summative assessment of some form. And there's nothing wrong with maybe once a year, twice a year, giving some kind of summative test, maybe a selected response, maybe constructed response. But there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that if it helps promote a program, if it helps with placement and programming in general. Um, but I, I don't even think a test is necessary at that point. Like even if, even for summative assessments, you could just use portfolio assessment and then at the end of the year take formative assessments that you've collected and, and use those as evidence with a holistic rubric as a, and of course, um, summative assessment. So my answer would be no tests aren't actually necessary unless you're not asking for real interaction, which is another thing that was said earlier. I thought it was really brilliant. Um, You said we're assessing all the time. 
And in a CI classroom, we are. You said classroom interaction is a test, and that's so important. Formative assessment while the instruction is happening is the most important. And a focus on formative assessment is kind of the hallmark of authentic assessment. And I think if we can really notice what our kids are doing in an intentional way during the instruction, we'll be able to provide comprehensible input better. We'll be able to adjust how we teach and our approach um, to, to meet their needs better and to help struggling learners. It'll take away the 4% dynamic that is created by tests, by standardized tests, and it helps kids during the instruction. Right, you know. It helps them, so, <clears throat> I, I think. Yeah, I, I think I talked about this last week. I don't remember if I did or not, but I did a little demo, on-the-spot demo, in when I did the Ohio Five a couple of weeks ago, where I showed them what a task-driven approach to the classroom looks like, where at the end of the week or the following week, here's the task you're going to be able to perform. And then I did a backward build a backward design thing and then I had a little mini task for that first hour and I had all these fake students in front who don't know any Spanish and they so I took them through the first hour to get them that mini task and then when we got and then when we we got to the point to do the task I said okay now here and I put the slide up and I turned them loose on the rest of the audience they had to go in the audience and do the task in Spanish and then come back and then I made them present some people and so on and one of the things one of the things I reminded people about when I did that was that in and of itself is an assessment because what I'm monitoring when I'm watching and I'm walking around seeing what you're doing is, are you able to do this task and how well and, and, and where did you have difficulties and so on? One thing I, I haven't included, which I think might be a good idea, is not all the time, but um, when we do the major task, not those mini everyday tasks, but when we get to the major task um, that drives that unit, for example, would have students self-assess afterwards. How did you do on this test? Here's a rubric. On a scale, you know, and give them three little things, you know, rate yourself one, two, you know, one, two, three, where three is, you know, did it with, this thing was easy, two was somewhat difficult, one I really had a hard time, you know, and, and you get little three areas where you make them, right, and then you can discuss it afterwards and see where th things are. So, you know, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, that we're always assessing, we just don't realize we're doing that, and that's really the way I want to see assessment happening, at least in proficiency or in language classes where your, your goal is some kind of communicative ability, so... Okay. So, Claire, I Thank appreciate you. all your. No, I appreciate. Claire, I do have one question for you before you hang up. Um, because you sent me something. I guess I could send you an email. Oh, I'm yeah. asking in the air. You sent me something. I don't think yeah. it's to share, though, right? That attachment you sent me. Uh, uh via. Yeah. Email. Is that to share? Oh or, yes, definitely. Okay. If you'd like to. Uh, I was wondering because I I thought it was I thought it was interesting. We might uh, I'll see if there's a way for us to put up on our resource site. Uh, or if you have Wonderful. it up somewhere, linked to somewhere. Um, so Luke and I will look at that and, and talk about because I thought it was a very interesting document you sent with um, a little primer on these things that, that, that for the audience out there, a little primer on things that, that, that Claire's talking about. So I appreciate that, Claire. So I'm going to let you go because right. we've got more people calling in, and i got to skedaddle here. So thank you so much for calling in. Oh, yes. Thank you. Don't get wet going Bye. outside. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for okay. calling, Claire. Have Bye, a great Claire. day. Bye, Claire. Yes, great. I'm glad ESL people are paying attention and uh, not paying attention, but listening to the show and calling in. That's great because um, it's not just about Spanish, French, German, Russian, Chinese. And, you know, there's English. We teach English, too. So, Walter, do you have a reading for people you're going to tell them about? Walter. Walter does have a reading. What are we is ready? it? Walter. It's called In Class Versus Online Testing in University-Level Language Courses, a Research Report. Ooh, say that, say that title again. It intrigues me. In class versus online testing in university level language courses, a research report. I like that title. Who are the and authors? The authors uh, were three people. Uh, the first author, his name is Bill Van Patten, 
And the second author, his name is Daniel Trego. And the third author, his name is Walter Hopkins. Oh. I know and, these people. Oh, and... Uh, See? Bill and the inputs, right there. <laughs> <laughs> got two inputs. I think he's a third. <clears throat> well, anyway, this was uh, published in Foreign Language Annals back in December of, the, of last year. And, uh, and the article talks about um, a research study that we did here at Michigan State. And... What we did was that we decided to to use our class time for something other than in-class tests and to put those tests online. But what we did is instead of calling them tests, we called them synthesis activities. Uh, and uh, students were doing synthesis activities, and what they really were doing were taking the tests that they had been taking in class prior to, um, prior to putting them online. And we compared the results. Uh, of the students who took the test in person, in, in class, and those who took the test uh, online as synthesis activities. And they were, the grades on these assessments were exactly the same within like, Virtually identical, yep. Within like half a percentage point. So and, what do we do with that time in the, the so, test that was used for testing? So the time that we used for testing, we used, uh, we replaced with can-do statement days and uh, assessing students on their ability to use languages for the language for the purposes, for the purpose of communication as opposed to doing paper and pencil tests. So if you'd like to read a little bit more about that, head on over to the website for the Foreign Language Annals. And if you have access to that, that would be, uh, that would be a good read for you if you would like to see, um, like to see some more information on how we're doing assessment here at Michigan State. Give them the, the month and year again, Walter. It was uh, volume 48, issue 4, winter 2015 of Foreign Language Annals. Oh, it's almost a year ago. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's a, very readable, too. It's not one of those really technical things that, that oh, I can't read research. No, you can. This is a really easy read We because we, we want to reach out and, and talk to teachers. So, well, thank you, Walter. I forgot that you were going to until you reminded me yesterday that you were going to use that as our reading because it ties in nicely what we're talking yeah. about. It shows, how, would be shows a, how you can get rid of tests and still have something substantial going on. Correct. So, according. Okay, we got another call on the line. We have Ginny calling from my old stomping grounds, Austin, Texas. Hey, Ginny. Hi, Ginny. Hey. How's it going? I didn't realize you were in Austin at some point. I did all my graduate work in Austin. What a great place to do your graduate work. Back in the day yes. before there was a downtown. <laughs> I, I've, I've got people listening. Yeah, all we have now is construction. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember when 6th Street was nothing but warehouses with broken windows, and the tallest building was that one bank that was like seven or eight stories tall, and that was it. There oh, was no. It's, no it's downtown. so changed. It's oh, I know. Changed since I know. I was in college here. I know. I, I gave so. a talk there once, and I went, my God, this is not the Austin I went to school. Anyway. So, Ginny, I hear you're calling about, uh, you want to take the SLA challenge question. Well, of course I do. Okay, well, let me read it again so for the, our listening audience, and then you can provide your answer. So here's the question. What did John Carroll and Stanley Sapone develop in the 1950s that is still widely used today, largely in research circles? Answer is, Ginny? Modern language aptitude test. Yes. Yeah. Ding, 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 Yay, ding, ding. Commonly referred to as the MLAT or the MLAT, the Modern Language Aptitude Test. For those of you who don't know what this is, it was actually a test developed to see if they could make predictions about how well people would do in language courses and they could sort them into one kind of course or another. It was one of those terrible kinds of, 
ideas. I mean, the, the, it's used in research now for a different purpose, but the whole idea of categorizing people and putting them in this kind of course or that kind of course. And um, But anyway, so Ginny, how do you know about that test? Or did you look at I it? Am, uh, I am good at doing research because well, we classicists know how to find information as quickly as possible. Well, there you go. <laughs> See? There you go. That's what class. I'm actually a Latin teacher. But um, I uh, thoroughly enjoy your show. Well, thank you. And I was so tickled when you had Justin on the show and uh, listened to it and actually discuss it with uh, another Latin teacher here at my school. We have not been able to get our modern language teachers listening, which is kind of funny. But That's odd. That's odd. Yeah. Well, we'll have to work on that. Well, we'll have to get Justin back on the show sometime, too. Justin's a lot oh, of fun. Oh, you have to. You have to. Yeah, he's he just down the road. just uh, huh. phenomenal. Yeah, he's wonderful. I'll send him an email. I'll send him an email. Okay, so um, Ginny, what do you, what's your choice? You want coasters or you want little post-it notes? You know, I, I have been sitting here thinking very, very hard about that, and I think I want the coaster, and I'm going to keep it here at school and have it on my desk and have it as a conversational piece. Well, there you go. We'll send you a, we send you a set of four, so you'll have four of them, so... Ooh, okay, and I can take some home. Or I can give I can share them with other teachers. <gasps> there that you go. Work. I like it. There you go. And uh yeah. And well well we'll we'll have you stay in the line to give Dustin your information so he can uh, He's send us. He's got my information. He is that good. Oh he, wow. he, he see go this Dustin. is why this is one of the reasons, one of the many, many reasons we love Dustin. This guy is super. We, there should be like ten Dustins. But anyway, so Jenny, thank you for calling in, and thank you so much. We know that you're a, an avid tweeter, and you're and you're you're supportive of the show online. Um, so thank you for doing that, and see if you can talk those modern language people into tuning in now and then. So I'm waiting for a department meeting so I can talk about it, but they haven't scheduled one yet. Yeah, <laughs> and tell them tell them we're great on the treadmill. There's pop the headphones on. We're on the treadmill or the elliptical. We're good for that too. So. All righty. All right. Well, thanks, Jenny. Thanks for calling, thanks, Jenny. Jenny. Have a great day. Okay. Enjoy Bye, your guys. coasters. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Okay, well, one down and one more to go. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Diva Challenge question. Yeah. Oh, how exciting. You're going to love this question. The Diva Challenge question. Okay, here we go. I'll read it twice. I don't know if I can. Which pop diva with major hits in the 1980s and the 1990s was born with the name Gloria Maria Milagrosa Fajardo Garcia? Should wow. I do it again? Mm-hmm, yeah. Which pop diva with major hits in the 1980s and 1990s, was born with the name Gloria Maria Milagrosa Fajardo Garcia. Wow. Okay. So that's quite a name. That's that quite is, a name. Yeah. How we do have you names like that, that in my family. ID? How I got Bill Van Patten, I don't know, but my sister's name is actually Gloria too. And then my grandmother's name was Concepcion de la, I don't know what, and this and that. And huh. Yeah, we all had really long names, except for me. Okay, right, are you then. ready about National Tea Day here? I found it the information. It took you that long? No, it's just that we haven't had a chance. So okay. there's actually, it's a little bit more complicated than, uh, than you, have ima- you could have imagined. There's an International Tea Day, which is December 15th. Great Britain has a National Tea Day, which they celebrate on, in April. Uh, I lost the date here, though. Where is it? April what? something or other. No. Where did it go? I thought it was June. April 21st. And then there's a National Iced Tea Day, which is That's what they celebrate celebrate in Georgia, Atlanta. (laughs) Crazy. There you go. Yeah, the June date uh, is actually, according to what I found, 
National Iced Tea Day, not National Tea Day. So there's no U.S. National Tea Day? There's not, according to what I've discovered. God, and we used to be a colony, you know, once we threw that tea overboard in Boston, you know, that was the downfall of tea in this country, I tell you. Well, anyway. We went to you-know-where in a handbasket after that, I tell you. Anyway, so, well, we got another, (laughs) we got a little tweet here from Luca that says, we can establish a tea day. We should. We should. Every Thursday is tea day. There you go. Every Thursday. Every day's a new day. Okay, we got a caller on the phone. We've got Emily calling from, see if I can say this right. Mm-hmm. How do you say this in Kentucky? It's Louisville. Emily, are you there? Louisville. Did I, I said Louisville. Did I say it right? Louisville. 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 <laughs> yeah, Louisville. Louisville. Okay. Louisville. There you go. You got it. Louisville. Thanks. Yeah. I was, one, you know, I hear it different ways on the, on the news programs and so. So how you doing, Emily? Well, that. I, I'm doing well. Um, I was I called in originally to answer the uh, SLA question, but somebody already got it. But I thought I would talk anyways. Well, go ahead. We always so, enjoy talking to someone. So, what's on um, your mind? I just thought I would talk a little bit about testing and what I do in my class. Okay. Um, I know it's not something that everybody can do, but I teach kindergarten through fifth grade Spanish. Um, I only see my kids for 40 minutes a week. So very limited amount of time. They don't have homework. Um, So, you know, very little exposure to um, the language. So I really feel that it would be unfair to my students to test them and to give them grades um, for any kind of testing that I do. Um, And I, I thought that even before I started listening to you guys and really understood about about SLA, but I, I feel it even more strongly now that I listen to you guys and have learned so much. And another reason I don't think that testing would be fair to them, besides the fact that they hardly see me, um, is just knowing that each child learns a language at a different pace. Um, I just feel it wouldn't be fair to those that learn the language at a slower pace to give them a grade for their innate or their natural ability, their natural pace that they have for learning the language. Um, So thankfully in my school, no one has come and slapped me on the hand and told me that I have to give them um, tests. So they basically just get like a daily participation grade as long as they're paying attention, they're obeying and they're participating. Because those are really the things that I think will allow them to learn the language. You know, if they're not paying attention, if they're not participating, then they're not going to be learning the language. And I can I can take off points for their daily grade for that, but not for right. their ability that they have to learn a language. You know, I, I'm glad you. I'm gonna. I have two responses to that, Emily. I'm really glad you called in. I, I like the points you're making and and the contextualized way you're talking about what happens to you because of of how often you see them, what level, you know, what age group they are, and mm-hmm. so on. You know, that that puts all context, put restrictions on us in terms of how we do assessment right. and think about that kind of stuff. So I'm glad you, right. I'm glad you mentioned that. My two comments, though, are, are, are the following. One is that um, I really like that you brought up individual differences and the idea that people learn at different rates. That might be mm-hmm. true in all this. Is, I mean, I could hear someone calling in and say, well, it's the same for science, it's the same for history. But but test taking again is not about those abilities. Test taking is about sitting right. down and memorize something and spitting it back on a test. Yeah. And so and so we're not talking about that. We're talking about exactly what you said, which is there are different abilities, and you penalize people if you try to sign a grade to someone. So I, Walter and Gallic and I are sitting here in the studio, and we all 
three were going to be learning Russian at different rates. And at a mm-hmm. slice in time, even though we're all get to the same point at some point, at a slice in time, Angel could be further along than me, and I'll be way further along than Walter. So, <laughs> of course. And so always. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, and so you know, and so it's unfair to Walter to give him a bad grade because he's just wor- I mean, uh, um, Eric, one of our um, listeners and 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 a really good guy out there, um, does a lot of his own action research with his students, and he just sent me a some charts and bar graph of testing he did in his, with his students where um, he gave them uh, certain kinds of proficiency-based TPRS-type, you know, f- uh, uh-huh. uh, fast story reading kinds of things and, uh, you know, ways counting words per mile, kind of stuff. And what he showed me was he plotted them on the graph of where all these eighth graders were after a certain point in time, and they were all over the place. You know, there was a quadrant uh-huh. where he would like them to be, but only, like, maybe... Ten of his students were in that quadrant. The rest of them were all over there, all the other three quadrants, and it just yeah. shows that they were, even though they were all participating and doing the same thing, they were their ability to do ability to perform a certain task um, varied greatly across a, a, a group of people because that's how individuals are. So, so we really need yeah. to rethink testing if we're if we're working toward proficiency. Yeah. So, so I'm glad you called in because that that sparked that 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 email from Eric and then spoke directly to what you were talking about with. Why would you mm-hmm. want to um, assign a grade to a student who's working at different level than some, not level, but a different pace? I think was the word you right. used. So, right. well, great, Emily. Well, thanks for calling in from Louisville. Thank you so much. From Louisville. Louisville, that's right. Yay. Thanks for what you guys do. Okay, have a great day. Bye, Emily. All right. Bye, Bye Emily. Thanks Bye-bye. for calling. Bye. Great. Okay, so Angelica. Um, yes. Uh, she was really, you know, poor thing. She was going to call about the SLA quiz, and then, but she talked anyway. I, you know, I'm just, I really Good. like our yep. listeners. We got the best listeners in the world. Indeed. I'm so excited about the people. So, Angelica, are you going to read us our your quote of the week? Yes, I am. Who's it from? Who's the Noam Chomsky? Noam Chomsky, yay, Noam. <laughs> this is um, from a chapter um, titled "Linguistic Theory," that appeared in 1973 in the edited volume. Focus on the learner, pragmatic perspectives for the language teacher. And here goes the quote. There are certain tendencies and developments within linguistics and psychology that may have some potential impact on the teaching of language. I think these can be usefully summarized under four main headings. The creative aspect of language use, the abstractness of linguistic representation, the universality of underlying linguistic structure, and the role of intrinsic organization in cognitive processes. Interesting. So again, no testing. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. So creative, the creative nature of language, the universality of what? Um, the universality of underlying linguistic structure. Uh huh. Abstractness of linguistic representation. Uh huh. And the role of intrinsic organization in cognitive processes. That, you know, that's inter- that was 1973, right? Yep. Because those are all topics we've talked about off and on for a year now. Um, and so, what is seventy? So, do the math for me, Walter. Seventy-three to two thousand sixteen. Oh, How many now. years? A long, a long time. Forty years. Forty-three years. years. So, forty-three years later, that that quote is still relevant. Enough. I think he's. I think. I think Noam was on right on then. Good quote. Yeah. So I know somebody's going to disagree with that, but actually, there's, there's there's a bulk of SLA research today and theorizing that would look at those quote that quote and go, yeah, absolutely. Forty-three years later. So. Good for Noam. Well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. That was lovely, Angelica. Isn't thank she? You. 
Oh, you're going to serve us some tea now with that, right. that accent of yours? Okay, so we oh, we got another caller coming in. We've got Jen from New Hampshire who probably just went to a political rally, but we won't talk about it. Um, and it's not the primary season anymore. Come no, on. but they did a, they did a thing. Yeah. Don't you got, you got to start watching the news, Walter. Oh, come on. You've got to get out of your office and listen to some current music, Stop and you've got to watch so the news. To do. Uh, I don't give you any work to do. <laughs> All right, so Jen, are you there on the line? I am here. Oh, my God, I'm about to squeal. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, why are you going to squeal? Don't squeal. Well, because I squeal all the time, and I can never call in, and I finally got through. So, yay. Excellent. Well, persistence. I'm so excited. Well, I'm going to have to keep you on the line for a few minutes. Tell me something about yourself, Jen, without revealing who you are. Tell me something interesting. Oh, dear. Um, What do you do? Tell me about myself. Do you teach? What do you teach if you teach? Um, I teach Spanish. Uh, yay, Spanish. Um, yeah. I, I am in year 28 of teaching. Mm-hmm. and I'm Young whippersnapper. I, I think year seven of full-on um, comprehensible input teaching. Wow. Good Obsessed. for you. So what level do you teach? Um, I have all the levels. I'm the only one in my whole department. <laughs> and, wow. And... I'm the only one in the whole district, actually, because unfortunately we don't have um, any language at the middle school. Okay. So I'm trying. I'm trying to like, you know, make the program. This is only my second year at this school, uh-huh. and uh, I'm trying to like, kind of be stealth, but I'm not stealth in the classroom. But I have to like, check the boxes, you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we all kind of have to do that to a certain extent. But I'm sure you're doing a great job. You've got lots of experience behind you. You've got a lot of training and contemporary approaches. It sounds sounds like you're doing some good stuff there, and you're just going to, like, sneak in there all my tr- sneak in there. All my training is from Tea with BVP. Oh, no, it's not. JK. No, um, no the, kids are doing, the ch- kids are doing great. It's it's really fun. Well, good. That's We like to hear success stories. So I understand that you want to answer our diva question. I'll try. I didn't even look it up. I just hopped up to the phone. Okay, so I'm going to repeat the question for our audience and for Walter because he didn't get it the first time. You know, Walter needs like three or four repetitions of things. Like, he's one of those students right. in your CI class. He'd be uh, after the fiftieth repetition of the verb soy. He'd go, "What's that? Is that like something you put in your coffee?" Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, individ- individual difference. That's right. I love Walter. <laughs> Walter's a great learner, actually. Okay, so here's the question. Which pop diva with major hits in the 1980s and 1990s was born with the name Gloria Maria Milagrosa Fajardo Garcia? The answer is, Jen? Gloria Estefan. Yay! Yay! Excellent. Now you can squeal. Now you can squeal. Oh, yay! There you go. (laughs) So not only did you call in and we got to chat with you, but you actually answered the question, you're going to get a prize. So what's your choice? You can get a set of four coasters or you can get a a set of... um, Sticky notes that you can write on. Oh, the coasters, for sure. I've been dying for the coasters for coasters. a whole year. Okay. So did D- Dustin already get your information? Uh-huh. Great. Well, then we will get those out in the mail to you uh, either tomorrow or early next week. All right. Thank you. Well, um, can I just say thank you for the whole show and everything you guys do? Because I am just like, I, I don't know. I can't even express myself. It's amazing. And I... Every quote that you say about testing, like, I 
shriek in my kitchen and I play it for my students. The constitutional amendment to ban testing. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I will uh, put that bill through myself. I think I don't know if I'll be too old for for run for president in two twenty twenty, but I think I'm going to run on the platform of constitutional amendment to ban testing. I like it. <laughs> well, thanks, Jen. It. We love people like you, so it's it's a mutual Yay. it's a mutual feeling. So all right, well, and, I'll see you at Actful. Oh well, great. Yeah, I'll be there. Steve Crash and I will be there doing a plenary, and then we'll be there with Tea with BBP and other things. So you make sure we connect, okay? All right. All right, Jen. Be good. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling, Jen. Have a great day. Bye-bye, Jen. Thank you. Bye. That's great. Great, great, great. Love, Jen. Love New Hampshire. Okay. Um, Do we have time uh, for one or two? Do we have anything on Mixler, Angelica, before we take a call? Just the suggestion that we should have a tea party in Boston at Actful. We can do that. We're actually having a show there. Uh, uh, yeah, but it should be. Maybe we can integrate. Maybe the show can be a tea party. I don't okay, know. we'll have to we'll have to talk to Ardina about that. See if he'll fund uh, fund some pots of tea or some big urns of tea or something. Yeah. My daughter used to have a pot of tea. It was a little toy, and it sang a song. Time to share a pot of tea. Some for you. I think she still has it actually. Some for me. Nice. Let's pretend and always say please. And thank you. I can imagine Walter teaching his daughter that. I didn't teach it to her. Here's, here's you know, she po- used to play it in the car on the way to, uh, we'd have long road trips. Here's a pop question for you, Walter. Who, who was the voice of the teapot in Beauty and the Beast, the Disney version? Ooh, I know, I know, I know. Who was the teapot, Mom? She was the if teapot. If I heard the voice, I might be able to say She was it, the but. teapot on Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. Do you want me to give you a hint? Yes. She's also J.B. Fletcher. I have no idea. You just made another pop culture reference. He's not going to know. <laughs> Don't know. Angela Lansbury. Yeah, there, you, there go. you go. Somebody just write it on there. Is that what happened? No. Thanks, Meredith. Thanks, Meredith. Okay. There we if go. I had I heard the voice, I probably would have remembered. But you know. Well, let me take a call. Another call. We got uh, Kyo calling from Japan. Kyo on the phone. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah. Great. My gosh! I'm glad that I uh, that I can wake up. I was gonna say <laughs> it's so early there. Oh yeah. So how are you doing? It's four forty-five. Oh my goodness. Oh. Oh good. Good. Everything's good. Yes. Okay. So what are you calling about? Oh, what can we and do for you? I want to. Oh, before I ask question, uh, I I would like to thank, uh, thank you for the nice coasters. Oh, okay. I received the uh, courses yesterday. Oh, well, great. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear Very it. Very nice. Well, great. Good. Okay, so what can I do for you? All right. Oh, uh, I want to ask a question about the, uh, about the test, and I want to have a suggestion for the test. And I'm in charge of reading class uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and... The, one of the most challenges in Japan uh, in reading classes, uh, the teacher explain all the time uh, in Japanese and and then uh, do the audiolingual kind of uh, drills. So I want to change uh, change the trend. So uh, I conduct a class uh, which include a lot of uh, input and output based uh, activities or t- and tasks. But the midterm and the final test uh, just focus on uh, students' exp- uh, 
students' explicit knowledge development, asking uh, just a question about students' knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so I want to uh, do the uh, conduct a test to measure students' implicit knowledge development uh, based on uh, what I did in my class. Uh, do you have any suggestion for that? Well, let me ask you a question, first of all, because you said this is a course on reading, where they read? Yes. So, but is it a course to develop yes. their reading ability? Mm -hmm. So, why aren't the tests about reading, reading comprehension? Is it, I, I, am I missing something? Oh, mm -hmm. So, are, do, they get, yeah, but do they receive tests on reading comprehension? Oh, yeah, but uh, in the midterm and the final test, uh, in my school, we need to conduct the same uh, same test and just uh, giving a fill-in-the-blank test and uh, testing the knowledge of grammar, uh, which is included in the reading uh, textbook. And so I want to uh, more focus on students' reading proficiency and using the same uh, reading material. Uh, which dealt with in in my class. So, yeah, th that's a tough question. I don't know if I have a, a easy answer for you, Kyo, because um, oh yeah, I know, I know. My my question is a little bit broad and yeah, uh, it's a little bit abstract. Y yeah, I might actually have to think about it because there are sites you can go to too to look at different kinds of reading tests you can use in oh. class. Um, and because you also mentioned you talked about implicit knowledge or implicit oh, yeah. stuff, which would be different from looking at reading comprehension. So um, so depending on what did you want to look at, um, I could direct you to um, some sources. I I'll tell you what, um, do I have your email? I don't remember if I have your email or not. Have you sent an email to T with BVP? Oh, yes. Sen sen send me an email to T with BVP dot com, uh, at g I sorry, T with BVP at gmail dot com. And um, mm -hmm. I'm going to send you a response off air on that because that's going to take a little longer than the time we have. Um, okay. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's I think it's a good question. But what 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 you're raising too, which is relevant to the show, is the idea that uh, mm -hmm. um, when you have a mis mismatch between what's going on in class and then the kind of testing that's happening or the kind of assessment that's happening. So um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So let me let me let me send you some sources and some sites to look at. Um, so send me an email at t with bb at t with bvp at gmail dot com and, and I'll um, and I'll send you some things. Okay. Oh sure. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for calling. All right. Thank okay. you very much okay. for taking time. Oh no problem. Our pro our pleasure. Thanks so much. For Bye, thanks. Thanks, Kyo. Bye bye. Hi. We got him calling from all over the world, I'll tell you. Oh, it's fantastic. 4.45, so what does he do? Um, he wakes up just to listen to you. Um, well, not to listen to me, listen to us, but I mean, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe me more Who than you. Who are we kidding in? <laughs> Come on. Oh, my gosh. So I'm looking at the wall here. What's up next? Uh, we have an email question we can answer real quick, or should we take another call? Uh, I think we need to take that last call here. We got, let's take a call. I want to take, I like talking to people. No offense to you people who've written in, but um, I'd rather talk to somebody. So we've got we've got SNS from Colorado, Sage and Sarah. <laughs> sounds like Butch Hi. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid coming around. We've got Sage and Sarah. Sounds like two cowgirls calling in from Colorado, right? Oh my! Couple of gunslingers. There you go. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
So what's up, Sage and Sarah? Where you, you're calling from Colorado? Wanted to say that we're super excited to meet you in person on Saturday. Oh, so you're going to be. We've been huge fans of yours since we FaceTimed you in Dillon Valley. Oh my gosh! So, so I'm so you're going to be in Frisco this weekend on on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, we will be. Awesome! Great, great. I hope it's a good crowd. I hope it's a big crowd so we can all have a lot of fun together. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. Well, great. Don't ask him for a, don't ask him for a selfie. He charges way too much money. Only you, Walter. I won't charge you money. Because Walter tries to resell them on eBay. That's why. So that's why I charge Walter. But I wouldn't charge Sage and Sarah anything for a selfie. So, so are you just calling in to say hi? You have a question or a comment or anything? Or just calling in to say hi? Uh, we're students of Leslie Davison's, and she's also a big fan of yours. So we oh. just wanted to call, let you know that we're really excited to meet you. Well, I'm going to be excited to meet you in person, too. So I'll be looking for you. You have to come up and... <laughs> Because you know how it's going to be busy in the morning before I, you know, people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I got to run up and say, hi, we're Sage and Sarah, and we called you on Thursday, okay? <laughs> okay, we will. All right, or maybe Leslie can bring you up and introduce you. Either way, I don't care. I have to say hi to Leslie, too, because I haven't seen her in a while, so. Well, great. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, great. Well, thanks for calling in. Of course. Thank you. See you on Saturday. Be good. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I can't believe Oh, my God, that's great. So sweet. That's great. Sage and Sarah. It does. They do. Th those are such Western names, Sage and Sarah. Doesn't sound like out of a Western. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Whatever you say. I know lots of people for, named Sarah, and I'm not sure they're in a Western. Maybe Sage. I don't know. It's I, a combination. Yeah, Sage it's, and Sarah. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, because Sage is like it's a sage something. plant, right? That, that's a Western plant. You don't. We don't have Sage here. Well, we kind of do have the, the, the kind of stunted growth here, but like once you get once you get past the Mississippi and get toward the West, Sage just grows on that side of the road it's all over the place it is it is don't look at, don't make that face at me walter <laughs> <laughs> what? what's that face <laughs> oh my gosh oh by the way i have to tell you did you guys see your presence we got from from the college of arts and letters Ooh, how exciting i have to get a new phone now though I you think. do yes we agreed. got selfie sticks all of us got on the on the tea with bbp show including the staff and the talent and my flip everybody phone else. won't fit on we there, got we got <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna flip that at you in a minute well to put that thing down but we got these really neat selfie sticks i've, I've never used one before it's kind of cool i took my picture right away with it with walter of course so we'll put that out um well i'll i'll um give that to lucas so he can tweet it out to everybody so I think that already went out, didn't it? Did it? I don't know. I don't. I didn't send it to Luca yet. He so. did. I didn't see it. Oh my God! Look at the time. And yes, we are going to bring the selfie stick to Actful, of course. Yes. And they even have MSU Cal on them. College of Arts and with a little Spartan we will bring head. Those. Share a Spartan selfie. Well, gang, I got to start wrapping up here because look at the time. If I don't start doing the acknowledgments, we won't get through them. Mm -hmm. So let me do my thank yous first of all. To, as usual, to Daniel Trego. Yay, Daniel, our technical producer. Our media producer, Luca Giappone, for all the work he does. The talented and trusted call handler and muscle man, Dustin DeFelice. Hey, Dustin. Our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney, who is back there behind the booth next to Dan. Of course, the College of Arts and Letters at MSU. Thank you once again for the selfie sticks. We love those, especially our dean, Christopher Long. And as a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And of course... We thank everybody who called in today and all our listeners out there. 
Next week is Open Topic Week. We do have a few topics that Florencia and her group from Urbana have us talk about. Otherwise, it's what you want to talk about. Until next Thursday, you have a great weekend. Have a great beginning of the week. And happy second language acquisition to everyone. Yay. Say goodbye, kids. Einen schönen Nachmittag. Bis nächste Woche. Oh, my gosh. What she said. I know. She's speaking German. Is that German or Swedish? I can't tell sometimes. Russian. Actually. That was Russian. Oh, okay, yeah. well, she's already acquired it. Oh, my God. There you go. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>